Oh, who lives in a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants. Absorbent yellow and porous is he? SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> and drop on the deck and flop like a fish? SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> there you go. I love it. You I know, love it, like Matt. A little bit of humor. You know, nah, humor. nah, that was actually humor, good. Right? Nobody's done that one. I know. Nobody's done I that. That's actually a perfect one, man. I figured, you know, just be a bit different. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks, Manny. Really appreciate, appreciate you taking the trek. I know it's a little bit of a hike to come out this way. It was a little bit, yeah. Uh, last time I saw you is when we got together and I was dropping off the book to you there. Yes. And, and we were just talking about this and getting you on the show. So, yeah, so. I just saw the brand new trailer. All decaled out, Not looking pretty wraps. slick. Is it all dirty? Is it all dirty now or no? No. No? I keep it as clean as possible. <laughs> That's my advertisement, right? <laughs> Everybody, we got an interesting show. I got Matthew Hill here from Rescom. Uh, 17 years, eh? Yeah. You're a little bit uh, younger than me. A little bit. Just I'm a tiny actually bit. turning 40 in October. Yeah, you're a lot younger than me, man. <laughs> you got a decade on me. Rescom, uh, no website, right? So it's just the email to get a hold of you is rescomcontracting82 at gmail.com. And then on Instagram, it's rescom underscore GC. And it's R-E-S-C-O-M. Right. What do you want to talk about today, man? Whatever you want to talk about. I want to talk about how you got started and where it all came from. But uh, give, me, give me one second. I got to do a few little shout outs here. I uh, just want to let everybody know, thank you, first of all, for the lid. You're I welcome. appreciate it. And uh, uh, first thing I did was got rid of the decal because I know people leave the stickers on. I don't make any sense to me. But uh, thanks so much for that. And the tea as well, which I'll wear on a future show. But on today's Excellent. show, I'm wearing Fabio's show shirt. His tea, right? So uh, FNA, uh, Custom Carpentry. Uh, he's got a fishing page now because he loves to uh, spend a lot of time on the water and spend a lot of money on fishing gear. That makes two of us. You should follow his page, man. But uh, <laughs> thanks, Fabio, for the tea, man. I really appreciate it. So I'm, I'm shouting it out there. I also want to start the show with a little, like a, a really nice, beautiful story that was shared with me. And I actually liked it a lot. Um, at Riverview Custom Carpentry reached out to me and he sent me a message. And here's the message here. I was recently listening to show number 249, Manny, with Tom Elliott from Elliott's Trusted Trades. Great show, by the way. He says uh, where you guys had to talk about children and his children and their interest in the trades. I always bring that up on the show. We always talk about the next generation, right? Um, it made me think of the impact that the trades have, not so much on their own children, but on customers' children. And it's true. It's a really good point that he brought up. So this is something I run into quite frequently. He says, I live and work in a small town with many small or uh, young families, and I find myself meeting with little ones quite often. You get to know these kids daily, interact with them, and they're interested in what you're doing, where you're going, and if they can help out in any way. I try to include them with uh, using minor tools, help clean up, or anything they can look back and remember from when uh, their home was being worked on and they got in and helped with it to get it completed. Do you ever run into this personally? Uh, there's got to be thousands of trades, men and women, putting the fire into the kids all over the world just like we do. And I'm like, he's 100% right. I see it all Absolutely. the time. Like, I, you see the kids' eyes light up when the cement truck shows up and excavator shows up and all these they big toys. The they love it. They love all that gear, right? So you also added these kids remember grabbing a hold of a nail gun or pulling the trigger. They remember the tradesperson walking in the morning and arriving on the house and they miss these contractors once the job is done. It's true. They're That's always asking. True. They're asking their parents to come back and do another part of the job or another part of the house or whatever. So I just want to share that and I really appreciate him sending out that message because it's true. It's true. Absolutely like, it is. We are kind of unconsciously just kind of planting the seed into this whole next generation of interest it's getting true. into the industry, right? Because this is a big problem that we know in our industry that we're missing. 
we're trying to get more and more kids, right? So I also wanted to uh, share a little story because we've got an avid listener, Simon, and uh, uh, yeah, our friendly neighborhood, Simon, and he shared some info from the last show. I don't know. You heard the last show, right? With, um, uh, with the boys there. Avis there yeah, with Avis, and so we that were talking. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about um, uh, EVs, okay. electric vehicles, and incentives, and everything like that. And Simon was kind enough, and so Simon says, and actually, I th- I'm thinking that this is going to be a new segment because Simon's uh, always giving me some DMs here and there. Uh, he wanted to share <laughs> that I shared on the show, saying that yeah, the government has some incentives that you can get a thousand dollars 500 towards the uh, the equipment 500 towards the install mm-hmm. uh, but uh, he wanted to remind me that our good old premier uh duck ford got rid of that when he became premier of course he did so he got rid of that so there is no incentives now to get an ev vehicle uh and 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 setting it up the charger and everything like that so he was also talking about the requirement for 200 amp service and ev ready homes was removed as well which is a complete joke that he got rid of all of that stuff, right? And so that that went bye-bye. And he says some areas in Ontario are still kind of holding it, but they're not all. And he basically just scrapped it. So we want to thank Doug for that one. Yes, thank you, Doug, <laughs> among other things. So thanks, Simon, for bringing that up. And then uh, I just want to let everybody know that future shows are coming real soon. We're going to be uh, pretty aggressive recording shows, and we've got some interesting subjects coming up this weekend. I've got a supplier going to come on the show. I've got a Canadian builder who's expanding to Miami and L.A., and we've got a therapist and a partner coming on on the next three shows where we're going to have some pretty interesting conversations. So I just want to let everybody know that. But, Matthew, over to you now, man. How did you get started? Where Where was that seed planted? Well, just like you were saying, that seed was planted as a child because um, my parents first moved to a new development. Yeah. So, of course, I'm out riding my bike, doing all kinds of crazy stuff and seeing the cement trucks, the excavators. I used to stand and watch for hours and the coffee truck would roll up. I started buying stuff from the coffee truck. <laughs> so a little bit of change. But, yeah, so that's how I got kind of the, the itch to get into it. And, of course, growing up, helping my dad, he taught me kind of the reins on building decks, fences, finished a few basements, stuff like that. But other than that, that was basically where the seed was uh, was planted. Nice. How long ago was that? That was like when your teenage years? Oh, yeah, like t- 12, 11, 12, 13, 14, those years. Yeah. And then when I was 17, I went to go work for a friend's construction company. Uh, they had the contract with actually Loblaws stores to do all their maintenance and stuff. So that's kind of where I got my start. It's a good place to start, eh? Like the it commercial was. side of construction is actually a really good place. to. You, you learn a lot of good and bad quickly. Very true. Very true. Right, because yeah. you're you're pressed for time every day that it's not open. They're not making money. Exactly. You have to learn to be efficient. Mm-hmm. You need to figure out how to problem solve a lot faster than you normally would on a resi. Absolutely. So it's actually a good. I mean, in, in respect though, it's also a good place to learn bad habits. True. Right. You can learn some bad habits there. So how long did you do that for? I did that for about eight to ten years. Okay. And then I went that's on. a good chunk of time. It was. It yeah. Was. And I enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely enjoyed it. But, you know, all good things have to come to an end at some point. And I just decided I wanted to uh, go out on my own. And I did just that. Nice. So, yeah, I got it on my own. Um, the company was previously called Hillcore Contracting. Your previous? Yes, I've okay. had two companies. Okay. And then when I was married, I got divorced. And that's how this company came to be. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And that's the, the origin of Rescom? Yes. And how old is Rescom now? Rescom's two years old. Two. Oh, so, you got, you're brand new. With this. Right in the thick of COVID. Yes. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. Hit the ground running. It didn't look 
back. And how is that? Because, I mean, I, I, I'm respectful of you guys and girls out there that actually just dove right in during COVID and still pushed through construction and still looked at expanding, still did this and, and took the opportunity to actually take advantage of that situation and get the work. And so how did that, how was that whole thing? Were you a little nervous in the beginning? I was. Yeah. Of course. You're always nervous of taking that, that big leap, right? Just going. So I went out, um, I opened up this business, I got incorporated and that, like I said, I've hit the ground running and I haven't looked back and so it's been great. I'm super busy. Um, lots of more work to come. The scope's getting larger. So, I mean, it's very gratifying. How are you working your business? Is it all sub-trades or you got employees with you? No, it's all sub-trades. All sub-trades, right? Why did you I'm, choose I'm to a, go? I'm a, I'm a hands-on working GC, I say. Okay. I'm not, a, I'm not a, an off-the-site stand-back GC. I'm in there in the thick of things yeah. every day, day in, day out. And, yeah, I just, uh, I'll just have to sub out electricians and plumbers and stuff like that, all the right trades guys that are qualified to do the work. You don't want to go the employee route kind of thing? I do, just not yet. All right. What's holding you back? Uh, well, first off, I, I'm busy enough now where I could do that. I'm worried about the other person. I don't want to have a guy ever have to lay him off. Yeah. Or cut him down to part time. Yeah. Or anything like that. So that's kind of what's holding me back now. And uh, other than that, it's just um, finding good tradesmen to work with. More women. So there's definitely a shortage. Everybody has that guys. problem. So everybody has that problem, and, and I know that I don't think people get tired of us talking about it. No. And the thing is, we're trying to come up with as many solutions as possible to try to get rid of that problem. But I, I don't think, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on how to get rid of that problem? How to? I was impressed with Avis in here where they had six guys in here, and they had a whole team, and they're over 20 crew. And, you know, yeah. they, they basically just said, well, we get along, we work well together, so why don't you take care of that arm of the business, and you take care of that arm of the business. And, yeah, that was fantastic. And that's amazing. That Like, it's almost like you, you find your best buddies back in high school, and you stay friends for the rest of your lives, right? And that's it. But, I mean, in construction, it's no different. It's the same no, thing. No, for sure. I mean, their business model is genius. Yeah. Fantastic. So how do we duplicate that with every other people? You, do you just keep on going through all the bad apples until you find a good one and that's it? There's still a lot of bad apples to go through. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, I mean, so, so, but what's making them bad, right? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Is is it just everybody's just driven by the dollar? Is that what well, it is? 100%. It's the dollar. It's also um, social media plays a part in it, as you know. The filters, you mean? Just everything about the social media and the video games and all the younger generation is growing up on that. They're geared towards that. There's school programs that are geared towards that. So that's what they want to do. Yeah. There's not so much trades being pushed at them or anything like that. Recently, the government started to, you know, give grants and, and have some commercials and stuff like that about getting into the trades because they know there's a shortage. They know at some point there's going to be a big, big shortage. It's going to happen. In the next few years, it's going to happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just trying and to figure out how to start shutting down. They won't have guys. The unions will run out of guys, everything, right? So. Or they're just going to hang on to wherever they can hang on to. Oh, for sure. And just accept it. But that means that you're just going to get a world of cutting corners all over the place. And then I guess your deficiencies departments will increase. Of course. Because there's going to be so many more issues with that. And then they'll just go in and just hope that clients, which are homeowners, people that are taking these dwellings, give up on trying to get it fixed properly. And that happens. And that's not, it shouldn't absolutely. be that way, right? No, it absolutely shouldn't be that way. I mean, it's, it's upsetting. It's unfortunate. 
that there are a lot of guys out there that still do cut corners and still do some some shoddy work, and they're still super busy. Like the, the Keystone contractor was saying, he knows tons of people, and they're still super, super busy. Yeah. I don't get it. Right? But they're also super busy. They're also getting older. And True. I mean, like, everybody, you're still a little ways away, but I think once you start hitting 50, you start thinking about shifting the gears and changing and trying to be that GC's not always on site. It's more of the visitation GC, right? So you come by every so often to make sure everything's working well, but you're spending more time in the office or you're spending more time in front of the binder and looking at the business that way instead of actually swinging the hammer. As much as you still love about swinging the hammer, you kind of have to shift gears because like I've said it over and over so many times on the show, we're in a perishable industry. Like physically Absolutely. speaking, we can only go and do so much as we possibly can, right? Like we can't, I mean, there's, there's, there's those diehard trades people that you're stunned, you're surprised that they're 60 and they're 70, still pushing a swing, you know, the wheelbarrow, the, the sledgehammer, they're still doing all that stuff. But even looking at them, you're like crying from your aches and pains, oh, wondering that's got to hurt, right? So how do we do that? And, and then you get the younger generation comes in. And I honestly believe that the younger generation getting in at 20 mid 20s they don't want to be swinging the hammer into their 40s they want to be running the show into their 40s and then finding that younger generation they want to come in at 20 and run the show well that's the other big (laughs) problem it's it's the dollar value when you start hearing about laborers asking for a certain dollar value that some days and you know this on jobs you're not even making that dollar value no exactly you, you can't come on site and make more than me yeah so so it's like you you kind of have this awkward glare between each other mm. you know and you're like going okay i get it you're 20 and i made that joke several times where you're asking for more than your your age right and so you come in and you're 25 years old and you're asking for 35 dollars, and you're like going you're not worth it you know what the electrical contractor that i use i'm pretty loyal with all the trades that i use so yeah. i use them all the time he says the exact same thing there's guys coming out of school even third year fourth year apprentices and they want to make like journeyman rates right out of school so where are they getting that number I don't know who's teaching them. I don't know where they're picking this up from, but it's happening. Is there a disconnect with the educational? There has to be. There has to be. Are they kind of glossing over and just telling them, yeah, sure, get into trades. You'll make 100 grand your first year. Not true. No, I think that's what they're being told. (sighs) It takes a few years to get to that number. Of course it does. Right? Of course. So how do we change that? But then also there's also a lot of, uh, I guess, pre-apprentice program schooling kind of crap that is misguiding them because you're, I'm hearing Absolutely. from a lot of pros that are saying these kids are, they don't know anything, man. They're, they spent 10 grand. They gone to this pre-apprentice school and then they come into the real world and they don't know anything about the real world, but yet they're asking for those real world prices that, you know, you should be asking exactly. for five years down the but line. As far as I know, those programs don't have apprentice programs with them, right? Or any placement programs. So it's all book work. It's all, it's all up here. Yeah. And as you know, you could know all kinds up here, book after book after book up here. But if you can't use this, your hands. It's a combination of the two. Right. It's funny how in the industry you shift gears because I've always said that you better spend more effort on when you want to become a business owner. So when you want to become a subcontractor and you're a business owner now, you have to shift gears with that paper, right? Absolutely. And you got to learn. how. And, and I've told people in this industry, you basically do yourself a huge service if you actually went and did a night course or some course for business. Just learn about business. Figure out a business. Every tradesperson out there thinks that they're a genius at business. And you're like, I'm sorry, but you're not a genius at business. You're a genius at swinging hammers and doing woodworking, tile, and concrete. You're a genius. Perfect. Business, you suck at, man. 
and you need to be and they don't want to be told that sometimes they marry the right person that kind of shows them that you should do this and do this better and then they show you oh i didn't realize how i can do that better right true always a better way to do it right the paperwork is the more difficult end of i think our trade for sure why (laughs) do you think that do you think it's because they don't want to come across like ignorant or something like i don't know i don't know either i I really don't know either to be honest with you but we're in okay so we've always said construction is an industry that you always are learning every single day yes so why is it that the physical part most tradespeople have no problem being taught how to learn, how to, how to learn something new. Mm-hmm. But yet when you try to tell them about paper, organizational, you know, the whole stationary side of the business, they have a problem with it. They frown upon it. They don't want to learn about it. It's not a masculine thing. Is that a stupid, like, is that how it is? I don't think that's so much of it. I mean, it can be overwhelming. It can be monotonous. I mean, you know, it takes hours and hours to do certain paperwork and whatever it is. And some of it can be difficult. I mean, I like I don't know if you've ever tried to do your business taxes. No, I got rid of that right off the bat. Impossible. I said I don't no want to do it. Idea. I have no passion for it, right no love for it. I go here. I'm going <laughs> to yep. find somebody who has the same love that I have for construction. Exactly. They can take it. They'll do it, and it's it's one of the best decisions I ever did. Absolutely. Bookkeeping, taxes, and then personal. I, I want nothing to do with it. You let me know where to sign, and you let me know what's going on, and that's it. And we can figure out plan. We can work next year. Also speak to advisors, speak to consultants, speak to all that stuff. That's no, what, sure. but don't we do that in construction? Like yeah. we do that when we're, okay, you take on a, Let's say you take on a job. You've never done it before. We go the Richard Branson route where it's like you just take it on and then figure out how to do it, right? You just don't say, listen, I don't know how to do it, so I'm not going to do it. No, you take on the job, figure out how to do it. Exactly. So, I mean, you would do the same thing. So if you took on a, a, a brand new build from ground up and started like first time you're ever doing it, you're going to speak to as many people to figure out oh, how course. to do it. Absolutely. So then why don't you do that with the paper side of the business? Maybe there's an embarrassment there. That's probably I think it I, is, man. I think there's a bit of an embarrassment there. You almost got to man up and just it, get rid of that embarrassment. It's showing vulnerability. Yeah. And nobody likes to, to look vulnerable. In the construction industry. No, absolutely. Because it's a shame because it's a masculine-driven industry, right? That's the crappy the thing. For the most part. Yeah. For the most part. So they, but, I mean... You're back to the high school friends, like Avis, the way they all knew each other. Yeah. You got each other's back. So when you had a question, you asked somebody. Whenever, if you go back to high school and you're cheating on a test, you're asking the right people. You know what I mean? You're going to figure out how you're going to do this, right? So you True. you plan it. You figure it out. So why aren't we doing this in construction? I think that's a big problem in construction. They should be figuring this out. They should be asking questions. I agree with you 100%. So I don't, just, I, I don't know how to. You can lead a horse to the water, but you can't. That's exactly it. Right? Yeah right and this is what we're facing too many studs in the field eh? that's what it is eh? uh <laughs> so i mean that's a big bone to pick i mean anything else that's kind of bugging you these days um well, i mean you guys had touched uh, with the keystone contractor um on some of the things that were bothering me the other night i mean you could dive into it a little bit again if you wanted to sure with uh, regards to quoting and when you're sending um you know a detailed scope of the quote to the client but then the client comes back to you and wants you to line by line break down your quote, which. But you already just, spent the effort detailing it to the extent that you want to detail it. Exactly. And what you're comfortable providing a quality service is this price. You're comfortable with this price. And this is the price you hand off to the client. I, I, I don't understand other than for them to go out and shop you line by line with somebody else. Why they need that breakdown. Well, right. It's shop. It's not going to do any any good for anybody because I'm not going to lower the price. Yeah. So why do you need to know? 
I think I think the majority of clients do that because they want to have a negotiating card from the beginning. And, and like that's a saying, huge mistake. Why is the construction industry always the, the negotiating? I, I love seeing stories on Instagram of other tradespeople postings, sharing. I went to go see a client. We were talking. Everything went great. And then all of a sudden, something like that happens. And then they said, you know what? I'm not the right person for you. I'm going to walk away from this. And then the client gets a little upset because now they can't get another quote from you to do this, but you just saw a red flag. Mm-hmm. And then you rather walk away because you've got enough experience to understand that this is just going to get worse. Of course. If they're like this now in you know the, the in prelim stages, essentially, what's it going to be like during the project? And you don't want to be in that boat. You know, exactly. At that point, right? So we got to figure out how to avoid all that kind of stuff. True. I mean, for instance, when you go to buy a car, there's the no haggle thing. Every dealership now does this. Everybody does that. We need to start doing that in the construction industry. You can't. You, can, like you, you, <laughs> you, you can't. Like I just, I, I, I joke with my dentist and my optometrist. I joke with them all the time, man. Give me a discount. The, the x-rays don't cost that much. Right. Change it up. Like, give me, a, like, whatever. Just give me a four by six instead of the regular size, right? Like <laughs> I, I just high def. And then, exactly. They, and they always say, no, this is what it costs. This is what it costs. Yes. Is, and my, but why can't in the construction industry we do that? And just it stays there, right? And I think that you should learn to say no to clients. I think it's really important as a young tradesperson in the industry getting in there, don't be afraid to say no to clients. It's true. It's a, it's a hard pill to swallow. It's hard to learn to say no, right? But you do learn because you have to. Because they, they're thinking, I won't get a job. But you never know. You saying no to one job might actually get you a job that you really want to have at that it's point. True right very true you got to be very particular about the clients that you want to be working with it's really important to do that absolutely you don't need any extra stress in your life i mean this this life is stressful enough so how has it been for the first two years with rescom like all word of mouth yep absolutely all word of mouth no advertising zero advertising the only thing i've done for advertising is the wrap on the trailer yeah which i just did that last summer and other than that is just the um uh, instagram some social media and I'm not too active on it. I mean, I, I will post, you know, progress pictures and, you know, starts and finishes and stuff like that. But I don't go too extravagant with, you know, running crazy videos or on TikTok and, you know, or every minute of every day I'm updating, you know, a story. I don't, I don't do that. We're too busy. Are you getting clients that seen the rap and then all of a sudden they're actually Surprisingly, con- no. No? I have not had one Nobody's phone acknowledged call, it? No? Not one phone call saying, hey, I saw your trailer. Because the phone number's on the back of the trailer. I know, so but it's, in it's, a, it's a nice looking wrap. It's it like, is. I would figure people <laughs> would see and then go, that's the starting of maybe the Maybe they think I'm too fancy. Uh, that's the other double-edged sword, I right? It, but maybe. Uh, I mean, one time in my life, whenever I was quoting way much younger and, and a window supplier showed up with a four by four with a lift and monster tires and all this other shit and had the logo on the thing and everything. And I dismissed them just based on that. Yeah. I said like, okay, so I don't understand that. I don't get it. You, you're a window installer. Do you really need this kind of four by four Bigfoot looking thing? I don't get it. I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's noticeable and it's kind of cool. And maybe you're like thinking it'll get you work, but it actually, it didn't appeal to me. And I didn't hire the person based on that. I didn't hire the person. I'm the exact same way. Right, exact same way. I thought that was exact, like totally exaggerating. I, I just yeah. thought it was too much. But you know, your trailer is pretty sand, it's a standard size. Not a huge trailer. It's to only six by twelve, yeah. single axle. Yeah, yeah, and it's not too flashy. When I went to um, the place where I got it done in Oshawa, I said I want it to be noticeable, but not flashy, not 
I'm not trying to show off. I just want people to notice, you know, that I'm out here to make money and I'm a business. Yep. Feel free to call. So, but surprisingly, I've not got anybody. That but way. but still enough work and keeping you busy and you, you're yep. getting into the new year with work as yep. well too, right? Yeah, I'm booked into the new year. Nice. And I have a few more, a uh, handful of quotes out right now. So if I end up getting those quotes, then it'll be nice. How is it for the quoting? Days. Is it, I mean, are you finding enough time to do all the quoting? Or are you no. like, no, right? No. But you're doing it all yourself. Absolutely, yeah. So basically I'll devote a Sunday. Are you doing a, a program software or anything like that? Are you still doing old school Excel spreadsheet breakdown kind of thing like that? No, actually this uh, this year I went and I got QuickBooks. Okay. I was doing it old school yeah. on Excel. Everybody starts. Exactly, yeah. I still write it out old school like everybody else, do all my tallies, do everything up. Then it goes on to QuickBooks. And yeah, I've been doing that. And it's been helping you a lot? Yeah, I like I like it. Because, well, the good thing with QuickBooks too is that it'll, it'll um, generate reports for you. It tallies all the taxes and stuff for you. So you can just generate that report at the end of the year or quarterly, whatever it is, click the button, and it spits out the report. So it's beautiful that way. And it tracks sales. It tracks everything. It's funny it's how the program. industry has, um, uh, they're always coming up with new software mm-hmm. that they're trying to, f- I guess, place onto us, like the one uh, customer. question for you. Yeah. Do you use um, any modeling software? Not like e- on HGTV, where yeah. all of a sudden they show the client, this is what your room's going to look like, the pro- and the fridge drops down, the, the problem, couches drop. It's nice, it's pretty, it's wonderful, it's great, it's expensive. I have clients who ask me that all the time. Why, why don't you have that? What, don't you have Sure, are they going to pay for it? That's what I say. That's exactly what so, I say. So basically, you're going to change your wolf. Your wolf's going to become a KitchenAid now. Right. You want to, because I'll spend it. You want the 510K spent on that little modeling, so you can get an idea of what your place exactly. is going to look like. Is it really worth it? I don't know. I guess with certain clients it would be because that's what they want to see. So that's what, you know, sell do, them on do the they job want, Yeah, do they, they want that file so that file could be sent to their friends in their circle. Is that what it is? That's a possibility. This is yeah. what my kitchen is going to look like. Exactly. Isn't it amazing? And I'm like, I don't get it, right? True. Like, I, I, don't, I don't see the benefit in, in it. I never... For the dollar value comparison, I don't eat. That's exactly it. If I it have was no idea. Thousand like, bucks? Yeah, no, it's not. Then sure, we could do that. Yeah, books is six hundred bucks for the year, so another four hundred bucks. Why not? But no, that's a few thousand dollars, though. Oh yeah, it's it's up to there. do it, and, and depending and for on a good this, program too. Yeah, and you're talking like possibly just a kitchen, and you do it. But if it's like a whole first floor, or exactly. if it's a whole house, and some of these programs, you almost need to be a graphic designer to operate them. You know. It's, it's hard. It's like I, the old CAD program. I mean, there's ways of doing it. You can find certain people that can do it, but is it really... Okay, I guess the question to you, Matt, is that is it going to get you the job? Because at that point, how far into the quote are you in? You know what I mean? If you haven't gotten the job by that point, then you haven't gotten the job. That's a bit of a loaded question, though. I mean, I see where you're coming from. Right. But like I said, with certain clients, I think that would be a yes but I would say the majority, and I'd like to think the majority, no, that's not the selling feature. It's how you present yourself. It's how you talk to the client. I mean, people can read people pretty good. Yeah. You know, if you're telling them a story, they're going to know. And you know, if, if you have references, you have pictures to back everything up, then there's no questions. Right? There's no but questions of your character. It's funny. You bring it up, and I'm like thinking to myself, I'm trying to think of all these seasoned builders, the guys that have been doing it for decades, you know, three, four decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of them do it. No, exactly. So they still rely on designers, their book, 
yep. which is attached to the drawings yep. and you're still literally flipping huge drawings and you're flipping huge designer books yep. and selects are all there numbers are all there everything coordinates mm -hmm. and that's it so if the seasoned uh, gcs out there are doing that so then why are we looking at the younger generation thinking we need a little bit of an advantage it does to seem to be the younger clients in in my experience that are are talking like that with the, you know the um, the modeling program and yeah. stuff like that yeah and i think it has a lot to do with hgtv because they watch the shows yeah right? and that that's where the example comes from like do you have this program like on hgtv or on this certain program that does this this and this well so i don't watch the four letter word and when was the last time that hgtv actually presents numbers exactly they never present numbers no they never share what the the prep numbers are they never share what the construction numbers are nope. they never share any changes all that kind of, they never share any of that exactly. stuff but they they milk that you know modeling and putting it there and, and making it all beautiful looking for clients that are not even clients for people that are watching that entertainment exactly so it's it's an, it's not the same apples and apples man no absolutely not or you have the pinterest clientele oh that's even worse sometimes <laughs> i'm trying to figure out which one's worse uh, right right <laughs> It's like, can you do this? And they pull up something on Pinterest. Well, sure. It's just everything's on Pinterest. I want this guy. I saw it on Pinterest. Can you do that? I saw it on Pinterest. You know what you should do is just take that Pinterest image, and there's a, a guy now who's come up with a 3D printing full scale in real life. So you actually just set it up on the wall and just print that image on the wall. And here you go. Excellent. It's done. Sold. Your built-in is done. It's right there. It's not functional. <laughs> there's no depth to it. But it looks like there's it looks depth. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit of history, man. Um, I want to ask you, Matt, can you think of some examples of underground structures? There's a lot of underground construction that has happened during the history of time, still continuing. What are, you, are we talking about bunkers? I'm talking any kinds of things, but the majority of underground structures, they all fall into uh, a few categories, right? So transportation, tunnels. hydraulic, engineering tunnels, subway facilities, power plants, uh, hydroelectric, warehouses, cold storage, uh, pedestrian passes. We know PATH in Toronto here. Uh, garages, all kinds of garages and things like that. Reservoirs for drinking water. Uh, what is the deepest known structure on this planet? structure i'll give you a hint it's in china <laughs> i didn't know this man i just google all this yeah, stuff I wouldn't. and put it together my research team puts it all together um it's the jinping underground laboratory it's famed it's for laboratory. being it's a laboratory it's famed for being the deepest building in the world this lab is located nearly eight thousand feet within the fourteen thousand five hundred feet high jinping mountains of china interesting that's deep huh yeah th this must be a government facility is there an underground city in the u.s anywhere an underground city city i don't know there is i want to say yes the remnants of the first seattle built in 1851 it was destroyed in 1889 by the great seattle fire afterward mud was covered covered the entire town so locals built an eight-foot retaining wall and paved over the destruction raising street level 22 feet high today the underground city still lies there really interesting huh yeah very interesting how deep no have humans ever gone underground man-made how deep not not diving in the ocean You're talking no no about this is building this is building something how deep 
Like, or yeah, I, I wouldn't no say idea. building something, mechanically done something to dig deep. I wouldn't know. 40,230 feet. According to some, this is the entrance to hell. How do you even fathom that? Uh, this is insane, right? This, this is the Kola Super Deep Borehole, the deepest man-made hole on Earth. It's the deepest artificial point on Earth. 40,230 feet deep, 12.2 kilometers. Why? Construction is so deep that locals swear when you get when you get inside of it, you can hear the screams of souls tortured in hell. I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> I think it was a testing thing in Russia that they were doing, right? Here's a here's a more relevant question now. How deep is the deepest basement in a structure? The deepest basement. Basement. I don't officially know, but it's going to be a couple of levels. It's 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 deep. Sydney Opera House. So it makes for one of the distinctive buildings in the world. However, below street level, there's a massive underground parking garage that's been named as the world's deepest basement. The 12-story parking garage extends 120 feet below ground. Wow. That's deep, man. That's insane. <laughs> that's a bit much. So we're talking to Matthew here from Rescom, rescomcontracting82 at gmail.com. And on Instagram, it's rescom underscore GC. Where do you want to go from here, bro? I don't know. What are you thinking? What's on your mind? I guess educating properly the next generation. I, I, I totally agree with that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I, I'd almost want to go and interview more students in different trade schools. I mean, we've got the trade schools that have a lot of respect, like Conestoga mm -hmm. and those established trade schools, right, which are great. But I think you're getting a lot of fly-by-night. We can make money off of these kids schools yeah absolutely but they're not preparing them properly i also think i've got a bone to pick with the parents because i don't think parents don't want the kids to get into this industry and i'm also talking about parents of construction so these are parents that were probably their parents came over as immigrants got into construction and then their siblings their their kids be got into construction but now those kids have kids and they don't want those kids to go into construction they want the kids to have a, a different life, a better life, so to speak. So it's like you're fighting that uphill, but, and then you're fighting the whole political side of things, right? As, as much as I've said it over and over, I'd love to get Monty here on the show for the Ministry of Labor and start talking about what else are they doing. Like I want to figure out, are, are they actually, I don't know, swinging in the right area, right? Like it's important to know that they're actually speaking to the right people. You can't be speaking to people that have no or zero interest in construction, True. You got to have some interest. Like we go back to the beginning of the show, we we're talking about the kids and they're in awe and they see, you know, the, the, the machinery. That kid wants to come into construction, but they just don't know enough about construction. True. Right. And then, I, I mean, I guess the double edge here is you've got the old school tradespeople are really rough around the corners, right? And they don't want to teach, but you, they teach a certain way. That way is not acceptable nowadays. That's a, that, so now you're dealing with that, right? So it's like how so you're missing opportunities at that point. Sure, yep. that old school tradesperson is rough, you know what I mean. But there's lessons. I know their being, stuff though. They, oh. Yeah, there's lessons. That's there. how I learned. Yeah, I learned through the like grandfathered into it. I didn't go to trade school. I didn't do any apprenticeships. I learned, like I said, on site. We were non-union, but the site was union as well, and we just worked. And I learned tons off union guys, non-union guys. And these were all guys who had been in the, the industry for 20, 30 years at that point. But there so, have I mean, been some rough spots, no? 
Like the, of course, the, like some spot. Sometimes when you were thinking to yourself, I don't want to do this, man. No, or you never thought that. There's things that you don't like to do. Certain aspects about you know construction, but I, it wasn't enough for me to to just not generally like construction. I still love construction, the trade. I still want to do it. I'm passionate about it. I enjoy it. If I'm sitting at home. The first thing I go to do, if I'm actually bored, which hasn't happened in a number of years, but if I'm actually bored, I'll find a project, a make work project, whatever it is. I'll, I'll build a loft. I'll fix the fence that doesn't need fixing. I'll build something else that you just want I don't to have. Keep, you want to just keep tinkering away. Yeah, at something. I love yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly what I do. But that's that's the interest that you have in the industry, right? Yes. So how do you pass that on to the next generation? That. If we had the answer for so you can't hand this. it, you can't hand it to the next generation. They've actually got a grasp. They need that interest. They need that drive. It's that a ambition. relay, man. The baton. They got to yeah, grab they it. They need the ambition. Yeah. So I I don't know if um have you had any um co-op students or anything working with you over the years? No, I I tried from OYAP. Yeah. And and he lasted half a day, and then there was a text the next day where like this isn't for me. Really? After I spent so much time filling out the paperwork and I was a little disappointed by it because, you know, he was like the front runner of the class. And he was, wow. yeah, I was told that this kid actually do really well. So I just, uh, he ended up going the union route and he was, build, you know, building scaffolding all summer long. I don't know where he's at right now, but this is an 18 year old kid getting into the industry. And, and it wasn't a hard day. It wasn't, I mean, I was doing everything that he was doing. So it wasn't a matter of I'm just the older guy and I'm telling him here, you do this and then I'll watch. No, no, no. I was like, I was in there working away with it, right? And I'm the same way. So, I mean, there was a few complaints about his elbow kind of sore and he was a little, and I'm like, you're 18 years old, dude. I don't think the kids nowadays <laughs> do much physical labor though, unless they're playing some sports that involve that physical labor. I mean. So I go I back to the it. point with Carlito where he's always talking about, and I've heard this several times, farmers, farm kids, man. Great. Like they just, they have that mindset already, right? Yep. So like, and, and I agree with you about the sports too. So if they're playing hockey or they're playing Football baseball or something, right? something like that, there's that mindset as well too, right? Yep. So hard I just. Hard work because the training is hard. It's, yeah. you, know, you don't like to lift weights. Some people do, but you know, it's hard to work out. The benefits are gratifying. You love it. Yeah, but I've always, so, I've told people, man, dragging this, your ass to the training gym. and work and construction, two different things, man. Of course. Of two course. different things, right? Like don't think that you're a big person that you can handle construction. No, it's a different animal at that point, right? Yeah, totally different. Animal. Yeah. You'll get tired real quick doing construction versus you doing your sets and reps or whatever. Oh, of course. Yeah. It can be grueling. Especially those demo days. Everybody loves those demo days. You're still doing it yourself? No. You hire somebody. Yeah. yeah, I've gotten away from that. Yeah, it's just like there's like it's it's too much risk. It is. Right? And it's just day after day, project after project, it's wearing. Yeah. You know what I mean? My demo guys, the, the guy that I use, he has younger kids that do it, younger guys, and, you know, it's, it's way better. They're in their 20s, early 30s at the most. Are they running a good ship where everyone's got their respirators, everyone's a little, you know, being safe kind of thing? Yeah, or, it's, yeah it's really cause good. Because you see a lot of outfits, man, that are just cutting corners, and these of kids course. are coming over, and they're not realizing that, listen, man, you're in a bad environment. Oh, of course, especially when you're, you know, you're chipping up tiles and the thin set, and you got all those carcinogens in the air, stuff like that, insulation, the fiberglass. Yeah. The drywall dust, you know, all that stuff. But no, no, it's got to be safe. It's got to be organized. Clean site is a safe site. So every day at the end, half an hour is devoted to clean up of the site. Every day, no nice. matter what, you know, 
position we are because you want to come in the next morning and you don't want to have to move things or sweep things or clean up things as you know it's nice to show up the next morning yeah fresh clean start fresh yes not look at that guy left that there and i know oh can can you do this will i do that no you can now start you have your you know your your tailgate talk or toolbox talk or whatever it is you know okay today the scope is this this is what we're going to tackle you know can you do this we're going to do this we'll meet back up and we'll see what happens kind of thing right so because that half hour in the morning is going to ruin the rest of your day that's a problem when that half hour at the end of the day will actually make your next day for sure and And, and it's not like we stay half an hour later no no it's within you're doing it as you're wrapping your day day. if you're smart enough one of the first lessons i learned was from ziggy who's a framer is that towards the end of the day you're like already talking about okay so if you're going to the truck and you're like in the last hour of the day you're going to the truck and all of a sudden bring something with you exactly you know and then as you go exactly that's exactly where it's which i like right it makes a lot of sense to do that right absolutely and you know what i find is the clients really appreciate that and respect that 10 tradespeople on site carrying one item each is 10 items that get moved a lot faster than leaving it for one person on site in the morning. Exactly. And then, of course, you know, if, if uh, you got people working around, everyone's complaining about somebody else leaving a mess or not, you know, pulling their load, whatever the case may be, right? So it's just nice to, to have that happen. It, you know, it's respectful. It's responsible. It's nice to see that. And it's definitely the way I like the sites to run. I got a, I saw a post last week or the week before I saw a tradesperson who's actually been on the show before. He was giving up one tool brand and he was selling giving all of them. up. Yeah, he was selling a tool brand. Uh, yeah. And, and then I, I wanted to do that a few times. I, I, well, I sent him a message just asking, are you getting out or what's the story? He goes, no, no, no. I just, I'm switching. So he was switching colors and I was like, I'm trying to figure out because I don't think we talked about what you are, but I'm assuming you're yellow. I'm going to assume. No. No, what are you? I'm red. You're red? How'd you get to red? I have a bone to pick about that. Really? About red? Why? <sighs> com- What's Milwaukee about- done? What's Milwaukee done? <laughs> you ever use their fuel? Cordless no, but I know of another trade that just had all of his batteries stolen and uh, he had to spend another $2,500. Or $2, no, he didn't, he, didn't si- he didn't log it in. Uh, he didn't do that all okay. the shit. Someone walked in the job site and took all of his batteries. No took him the skill site. No. Secure job site, but never a secure. Job well, the site. problem I said to him is like the unfortunate thing is inside job. It's right. not We've some complete stranger. Yeah, I was walking by a job site and I just figured, let me go in and see if there's some Milwaukee batteries there I can take. No, there's somebody that was already on that job site that saw those batteries and said, I'll come back and take them. Yeah, nowadays, you can't trust anything. Even leaving a job site on or a job box on site is risky. So you going back to, to it, right? going back to the bone to pick with red because I like that. <laughs> the problem is is i've outfitted myself with all milwaukee because of course the kit's expandable yeah so you want to get different tools because you have a handful of batteries but you could have 50 tools that you yeah. use batteries so you keep expanding and you you know, expand some of the stuff is great some of their stuff is great don't get me wrong some of the stuff i use every day i'm really having a problem with and i want to switch like what stuff my impact gun my hammer drill. And I bought the good top thought, of the line. I thought the Milwaukee Impact Gun was good. It's not? What is it? What's going on with it? It's intermittent. You know what bothers me? The trigger? Me? Yeah. You know what bothers me the worst? Rosh has that problem sometimes. Finished carpentry, you know. Yeah. You're putting something in finished carpentry, a screw, whatever it is. And it's intermittent. And all of a sudden, 
whoa, that's not what I it, wanted it, it to do. It does that. Yeah. Or you put it in reverse and want to back out a screw. It fucking sinks and it, it might, another half an inch. I know. I know. Oh, the skill saw. The um, So what is the intermittent problem? What's going on there? Is I don't there know. Is there like just wear and tear on the triggers? That There's would, no brushes. So then what, so what is, what is going on? No idea. No idea. I haven't taken it in to get uh, like serviced. I'm not going to take it. I don't think myself. I've heard that problem with Makita. I've heard it with DeWalt. I've heard it with Bosch and I now heard it with Milwaukee. You know what's funny about Makita? What? My very first kit was Makita. The lithium ion kit. Okay. One, when I had started when I was 18 years old, 17 years old doing the Loblaws gig. And that kit lasted that whole 10, 12 years, and I beat the crap out of it. As you know, doing commercial work, yeah, it's a lot more heavy duty. The concrete's thicker, it's harder. The steel's thicker, it's harder. The I-beams, the stuff like that. All the floppy doors are hung with, with steel beams on each side, cladding it. We had to drill through them to fix them. For, yep. you know, half an hour, you're drilling through steel. Those batteries, that kit lasted 12 years, no problems. I loved it. Why I switched? Well, that was I'm my next question. Myself. Well, because <laughs> Makita hadn't jumped leaps and bounds in the fanciness and the technology, and that's what got me. And the expandability with at the, the time, kids, right? Because if you if you have the Milwaukee brochure and you open it up, it looks like a stadium. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, there's like three thousand tools there, right? So that's that's where it is. But let me tell you that Makita kit, fantastic. So you're thinking about going because that's so he left Makita, went to Dewalt. So you're thinking about leaving Milwaukee or just partially? I, no, if, if I'm out, I'm out. I, I hate having a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Yeah. And that's just more So stuff, you would more buy all into chargers. another one and that's it? That's what's holding me back because that's what I would do. That's what I want to do. What were you saying? You were saying there was something wrong with the skill saw as well too? Yeah, the skill saw, the guard. So unless you hold it open and you cut your piece of wood, it will catch and, and bind. At the start and of it, a cut? Yes. So then you have to. I don't know what's wrong with it. Like, I don't abuse the tools. It hasn't yeah. been dropped from a height. It hasn't been electrocuted. It hasn't been left in the winter. It had, like, nothing. The, the tools are still in great condition. Have you reached out to Milwaukee and just asked them? No. That's With laziness on my part. Well, it's not so much because, I mean, like, I've heard of other trades that are all one color, committed, love it. They, that's who they want. Fine plumbers are big on Milwaukee because their plumbing tools are apparently fantastic. Yeah, well, plumbers and HVAC and electricians are all going to be geared towards red. That's just the, the yeah. majority of it, right? But, I mean, like, I don't think the reps are stepping up enough. I think the reps are actually dropping the ball, and they probably Absolutely. think about it how I've got an hourly paycheck. I'm, I'm good. You I'm know what truck money. I always see at Home Depot? What truck? The Milwaukee truck. Why are they always there? stocking doing things when do you see a, a yellow truck rarely do i see the yellow truck or yeah. red floating around yeah i happen to actually buy all my red because i was in home depot he was setting up the new kit he threw in the new nine amp hour battery for free if i bought the kit things heavy yeah but it goes long <laughs> it's heavy though man it is it is powerful too yes it very is good. very powerful the first time i ever tried it, i was like whoa this is a little too much man yeah it takes forever to charge does it how but long it, couple hours like it's a while wow the test is charged first eh? probably well, only if you have a 200 amp service yeah exactly that's what it is so i would reach out to them but then what are they going to do they're not going to do anything it's out of warranty yeah everything, right so yeah and they're just going to blame it on me anyways you're in construction but right? you make a tool for construction you're not making a tool for a homeowner who's hanging pictures it's true but i would have to send in the tool and be without a tool probably 
for them to then turn around and say yes or no. And like I said, they're probably just going to blame it on you because it's out of warranty. So you think eventually you just go to Makita? Is that what things are? Now that Makita, like Makita's lineup is actually pretty impressive. I haven't seen Makita's new stuff. If there is it's some stuff to look good, at. man. Well, if you want a Makita point of view, just reach out to Gary from Mayor's Carpentry because he's full Makita. Hmm. Like and, full. and you're yellow, of course. I'm not yellow. I'm blue. I'm Bosch, man. You're all Bosch. Oh, yeah. I prefer Bosch. I totally prefer Bosch. You know I, what? I love Bosch for certain things. But that's that's the truth of it, right? Is it, there's like I, I got a mix, but the majority is Bosch. That's just my situation, right? But I mean, it's the rare to see drills, the drivers, the hammer drills, Bosch, all Bosch. Bosch, no problems. But I still have a Bosch oscillating tool, but I still prefer using my fine, mm-hmm. even though the fine has a cord. Yeah, I still prefer using those, it. Those are nice, right? I think it's a much better. Um, those are expensive. Well, it's 500 bucks and I've had it for, it's got to go on 15 years now I've had it. Wow. Right. But they're, they're night, they're geared towards finished carpentry. Those tools, are they not? Yeah, that's what it is. And now they got a battery version of it as well too. And, and I mean, I've always been a a fan of it, but I mean, would I ever buy the battery? I don't need it. I mean, it's got a 15 foot cord. Oh, there you go. Like, what's the point of that? I don't even need to bring out an extension cord at that point. What do you think of Festool? Overpriced. True. And I they think have some really great products though. They've got some over- ceiling sander with the vacuum. Yeah. Overpriced. Of course. Or like I just nice. keep I keep saying overpriced. I'm just like it's really But who else has something comparable that's that they don't much that's it, they don't, right? So they I know that the market, right? No, Makita's done something and Dewalt's done something, but they don't compare to that plain no. X. No, it's not the same thing. It's two different things, right? No. Yeah, Festool is basically geared, I think, more towards the drywall industry to do that sort of thing. They have some really nice stuff. It it is. I I still have a problem with Festool's drills and that funky looking Star Trek handle kind of guard thing. True. Like it looks like you know I, I picture Captain I Kirk saying put on it on site. phase. You know what I mean? And I'm just like it doesn't look like a drill to me. True. Nobody has them that I've but seen. It, but anyways. it's funny. Festool is huge in Europe for concrete tools. Are they really massive? They just don't bring them here. I don't think they bring them here because they'll never compete against Bosch or Milwaukee. You know or what's DeWalt. really good for heavy-duty concrete stuff? Hilti. Of course, but Hilti again. Like Hilti. Expensive. Yeah. Very, very expensive and exclusive, right? And they do that on purpose, which is great. So I, I see that if a guy goes Hilti, they go full tilt Hilti, yeah. right? And then the thing, and they don't have a full line. That's the no, problem. No, that's true too. So you still have to get other tools to, to fill in the voids. If you're a custom resi guy. True. At that point, right? Well, for certain things, I mean, you are going to, like, for instance, if you're going to be hammering concrete all day long, chipping concrete, demoing concrete, what are you going to use? The I'm Bosch demo hammer is nice. Yeah. But the Hilti is really nice too. I haven't tried the Hilti one, but the Bosch one, I'm so used to it. It actually Bosch does really well. Good. Even their little mini SDS version is, is pretty impressive too. Going back to Makita, they yeah. discontinued a mini chipping gun. We used to use them all the time. Battery or corded? Corded. Yeah. It was. Um, had a, had a cylinder. I'm assuming the piston was in, in there. And it was about yay big. So okay. It decent. It wasn't heavy. It was maneuverable. And you could chip tiles for years. So why did they discontinue it? It was too good. The guns would last, but the shanks, well, the internals of where the shank of the bit goes would wear out. But that's because you're pounding the crap out of it on commercial concrete day in, day out for years, every day, multiple guys, multiple shifts. So things wear out, you just get them fixed, and the gun keeps on ticking. But they're not making money while that's happening. You know what's funny is that I had a conversation with a Bosch rep one time, and I asked him about certain tools, and they had this laser that was designed for unleveled floors. 
It was amazing laser for commercial applications. So you put this laser on, on the deck. Mm-hmm. And it would give you your level. It would split. The laser would split whenever there was a dip or a hill in the concrete. And then you would mark it and you go here. You got to put self-leveling here or you got to grind it down. Genius. Isn't that genius? Absolutely. They discontinued it. And I asked them, why did you discontinue it? And then their forecast on what they predicted it should have sold never reached. So they got rid of it. That's what it was. Their projected sales. So I'm like, that, that makes no sense. Really I think expensive? I th- yeah, it's five, six hundred bucks. But I mean, that's a tool that if you're ever doing True. basements and you want to see how bad that concrete pour was in that subdivision, you can just put this thing all over the floor and then you can make your little circles or wherever there's a dip. Have you ever seen a nice pour? I've never, not, not in a subdivision, I've never seen it. But I mean, that tool is like, that's paramount in there. And True. now no, no, like no other brand made that kind of tool. Only Bosch was making that tool. They were really good for their lasers. And I think that's a fault in, I guess, the marketing of side of business because I don't think a lot of people knew about it. I knew about it just from being in the I never heard of it. I love that tool. And I still, I was close on trying to get one when I was at World of Concrete. And they were saying, yeah, I think we have one around, I think. And I'm like, please find it. Just find it. And they couldn't find it. I don't know if they couldn't find it or they didn't want to find it. But I was in desperate need of that tool. Like that tool made sense to me to be in the arsenal. And maybe it's going to come back. Everybody would love to have a a tool like that. Of course. Then you're not on your hands and knees with a four, eight foot level. (sighs) OBC talk, Matthew. You ready for some OBC talk? Sure. Is safety glass a legal requirement as part of the OBC? For what application? Um, Wherever you're using glass. I guess you're using glass in windows and doors and uh, other applications. I want to say no. It actually is. For just window panes? No, not for window panes and doors. It's not. So it depends on at the level of the of the, the window and pane that you might okay. have to go in commercial glass. applications, I say yes. Yes. Yeah. So now there is a standard, right? So what is the safety standard uh, to be compliant? It's the ANSI. Like we all, there's a, I remember skipping through that book. ANSI Z87.1 standards meet safety glasses must be tested for non-impact rated or impact rated lenses and frames as well as exposure to non-ionizing radiation and chemicals safety glasses are also tested for ignition and corrosion uh what is the difference between safety glass and window glass so tempered safety glass is much stronger and more scratch resistant than regular glass. It also cannot be reworked as easily as regular glass or it will break or crack and it needs to be handled with care during installation. Yes. Yes. That's true. My glass guys told me that tons. If you break a sheet of that. Uh, how do I know if glass is safety glass, which is basically tempered glass? How do I know if it is? I, just by color as far as I know. It's a little bit greenish, no? Every, every, no, so hang on a sec. So, so greenish glass, it has more, is all recycled glass. Bluish glass is all virgin glass. It's all brand new. That's the difference. And blue glass, Mm -hmm. uh, because I remember doing a shower and it was specific because nothing green was in the shower, nothing green tone. doesn't matter what glass you choose. If you choose a generic glass, it's going to have a green hue to it on Mm -hmm. the edge. And and generally speaking, when you look at it, it's got a green hue to it. Yeah. If you want it and you've got a blue theme or you got a cooler theme or like a, a, a nice cold white theme, you want to go to blue glass. But it's like twice the price because it's virgin glass, right? Uh, tempered glass, the way you know it is that there's a small labeled etched in the corner of the glass. It ha- they have to etch that small label that says that it's safety glass. Makes sense. 
That's it, man. So safety glass should be fitted on all doors and other windows or glazed areas that are lower than 800 millimeter from the floor level. So if I guess all those new modern looking homes that have full glass backs or doors or windows, whatever. Oh, like the whole fascias. They have to be all safety glass panels less than 250 millimeter wide. Because they would also have to be somewhat structural, no? That's why. So of course. So a little bit of OBC talk right there. Excellent. That's it, man. What do you want to talk about now there, bro? We've covered a lot of things. So <laughs> There's always plenty to talk about. Oh, of course there is. Any interesting projects on the horizon? Or? I'm focusing on this for now. Um, I've got some stuff that are brewing. I'm being particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm treating myself kind of like, uh, I would say, Rocky Four. You know what I mean? I'm just waiting for you know Drago to show up or some of like that so then I can go someplace else and, and get back at the training and, and then get on you know onto a job site right Fair enough. because uh, I think uh, I've been dealing with too many clubber langs <laughs> if everyone can visualize all that now right because I've got the Rocky box set but um, yeah no I was actually curious because I want to ask you you've got that lovely label on your li- your shirt sleeve there huh? uh, I want to ask you why is it okay? Why you I, to ask me? No, no, no. Hang on a sec. So <laughs> let me ask you this question: Is it making you money? No, I think you already know the answer to that. So then, no, it is not. It's not making you money. No. Okay. So everyone that's watching this show, you can totally see that there's a, a Baumler approved uh, label on your 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 tea there, and I just I'm curious on why certain trades would go that route and get that if it's not benefiting you. But if yeah, at some point you probably thought it benefited you. I thought it would benefit me. Not so much for um, feeding me business. It hasn't fed me one client. But I honestly thought that the homeowners would appreciate that. That, I'm not, they? The f- Have they? that I'm not the fly-by-night guy. That I'm taking the time to invest in these things to, you know, get credited. And some people, you know what? Some people love it. Don't get me wrong. There's some people that religious, the HGTV people okay. love it. Okay. There have been people that have asked me what that is what that's for and oh I'm so they didn't know anything about not it a clue but no, they're H- they no, people no i haven't i'm assuming they're not okay but i'm just saying most of the hgtv people the clients that i deal with they're super excited about the bomber thing because they you know bomber and, and homes is all over hgtv not so much anymore but you know what i mean but there are some people who don't even know who brian bomber is oh there's plenty of people man yeah there's lots of people well, I'm sure there is. But I'm just but. trying to figure out why, like, when I do see it, I mean, are you doing it just for the sake of doing it? Or are you doing it because it's benefiting your business? I thought it would benefit the business. That's but are, are they not educating you or, or showing you how you should run your business better? Or That's they- the thing. They do offer, um, I guess it's a, an app, but a bit of a platform. It, it's on a cloud-based thing, kind of like most things now. So you log in. Okay. And... There are, there's like tutorials and there are some things that you can, you know, look into that will give you some tips and stuff, but they don't, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, they, they don't really guide you or lead you in any way. There's no specific training. There's no one-on-one training of that, of any sort, nothing like that. So what was the vet process for you? To get on? Yeah. So what you do to apply to get on is you have to send um, three uh, non-professional references, and if I remember correctly, three eight. non-professional, like so non-trade cl- related, yeah, clients or just you know people you know, and then three construction trade 
references. References. So I use like my plumber and you know my electrician. So that's the like extent that. of their vetting. And I'm sure they look into you for as much as they can, maybe on social media or something like that. And you have to provide um, insurance. You have to be like legally. You, know, you have to have a business. Well, we're already supply. doing that. You have to have you know insurance that you have to supply them with you know the card and stuff to prove it. And other than that, that's are they asking for your WSIB? Are they asking for your uh, WMIS? Are they asking for? They do ask if you have. There's a, a spot where you can put uh, like credentials and stuff. Whether it be, but they're not specifically asking for. You these. don't need that to be Baumler approved. Not the not the the WSIB thing because you can be Baumler approved as a sole proprietor, which means you don't need to have a WSIB if you're just on your own. You can. You know, yeah, no, I, that, of course, yeah. But you can still be Baumler approved. So that program is different price points, isn't it? Based on that, I'm not sure about. I was just set with a set price. As far as I know, that one is not really uh, different in any prices. I think it's a set price, monthly price, hundred bucks plus tax. And other than that, I think you're thinking of HomeStars. Oh, I don't know. Like, okay, HomeStars so is another thing. They're they're. Did you join HomeStars or no? No, I have not. Okay, but I know some other people who have, and it's been super beneficial to them. Yeah, they have been fed. It depends know, a, a the trade. Of, like, it depends where you're going to take your business. One of one of the people I know is a drywaller, and uh, like steel framer and stuff like that. And the other friend of mine actually is a, a GC himself. Okay, and he's on HomeStars, but HomeStars can be really expensive. You know, six hundred bucks a month, four hundred bucks a month. That's a lot. Yeah, but they give you your basically the demographic area you live in. So I'm in Durham Region. So I would have from uh, I think it was Scarborough, just the edge of Scarborough, all the way out to, or just West Pickering, all the way out to Bowmanville, and that would have been like four hundred bucks between four and six hundred bucks. Oh, so you went through the whole process to find I looked out. In, well, they called me because obviously they they're searching Instagram. So I got the call. Hey. I saw your Instagram profile, you know, you look really professional. I like your work. Things are going good, blah, 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 this and that, you know, like Homestars likes what they've seen, this and that. Are you interested? This is what we do. This is how much it's going to cost. So I listened to it for sure, right? Sure, I'd like to get more clients, wouldn't you? But then when you finally got to the number that they presented, it just didn't make sense to you or like you yeah. just... For first at four hundred bucks a month, man, that's a lot. That's a big is. chunk of change. It is absolutely. That's another payment of. When was this that you were checking it out? The beginning of Rescom? Is that the idea? They've called me multiple times, and I haven't done it. Near the beginning of Rescom, yes, and actually just a few weeks ago, I had a guy calling me quite a few times. Actually, yeah, trying to you know, I can give you a thirty percent discount. They call me all the time, and I give them two words. The first one begins with F, and the second one ends with F, right? <laughs> and then I hang up. But I mean, it's just I don't see. They look at numbers, and that's what I have a problem with. Your number mm -hmm. for them, right? Your number. That's all. Exactly. They don't look at your business. No. So you care mean, less. You started this whole show talking about it's all word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Your business and your brand and what you've done is all word of mouth. That's not them. No. They don't do that. Nope. They don't really, they're not interested in word of mouth, right? Apparently, there's tons of people, and I don't know if this is true. Apparently, they have tons of people that go to their site, their app or whatever it is, their site, to look for accredited contractors that are recommended through Homestars. Yeah, there's lots of people that do that, right? I, I get it, and that's what they're using. They're using that data. It's no different than House. House is always hounding you as well. They yep. stopped hounding me for the longest time, and then I wasn't given the award. I'm not the best, one of the best builders of whatever. I think the last one was 2019. Uh, I'm like, I don't is. care about any of that crap because they, they focus on geo-targeting, uh, right? Yeah, I'm starting to just, I'm not too interested in that. I'm too busy anyways. So it, you know what I mean? 
I'd like to hear just so I can educate myself. Just on try to figure what out what's doing. out there. Yeah. And, you know, so I can navigate through all the mines. So are you going to stay with Baumler? No. So you've been for with them for, what, a year? Uh, Hang on a sec, Matt. Can you say no again? <laughs> <laughs> no, I am not. Because you don't, don't do anything for me. Okay. That's what I thought, right? Because right? I want to, as long as they're doing something, and I've heard that. I've spoken to so many trades. I've looked on, on they what tried they it offer. for the one year, exactly. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they said that I didn't see the benefit, man. Nope. It didn't, I guess it didn't um, uh, lift up my business. No, absolutely not. Right. So what was the point of that? And at that point, you're again, it's a number. Right. So, and I get it. A hundred bucks a month, 1200 bucks a year. You have a thousand members. You're in the million dollar range now mm -hmm. is what you're doing. Yep. It doesn't cost anywhere near that to operate a website. It doesn't cost anywhere near that to upload contractors, tradespeople's contact information. True. It doesn't do any of that. So that's a lot of profit. It's just profit margarine. That's all they're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you're forgetting the end user here. You're forgetting the tradesperson here. You're forgetting their business. Exactly. You should be like a coach, a motivational coach, a person who's actually there going, hey, Matt, what's going on, man? How's everything? Is business good? It doesn't matter to them, right? They're still going to get that money. The money comes in. I mean, so are you committed to a year or is it you can leave any time? I'm not sure how. With Homestars, you're stuck. You gotta, that's what I'm yeah. that's what I was referring to. With Baumler approved, you can cancel at any time. I think they ask you to stay for six months. I don't think it's mandatory, but I think they... Try it out for six months. Yeah. Just give it a try. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, really I could do the same with heroin, but I'm not going to do that. Right. All right, so it doesn't make any <laughs> sense. I just I, I look at what they offer, and it doesn't make any sense to me. That's why I don't agree with it, right? And I guess part of the pan, plan of a hundred dollars a month, you getting a sticker you can put on your yeah, you get trailer. some stickers. Um, you get their the the logo um, files. Oh, so you can right? use so, it because I sent whoever did the all my uh, my clothing. Yeah, your merch. I had to send them the files. Yeah, so that's what you get, and you get the rights to use. Can you, display. Can, can you send me those files? <laughs> we'll talk after. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit creative. I can come up with something to do with that logo. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit of green book talk here, man. Okay. Ladder safety. Oh, ladder safety. Yeah. Uh, isn't there a bunch of gray area there? Actually, what the, tells me. No, there isn't, man. No, there like, isn't. Ladder safety is pretty serious, man. So, um, Very true. Every employer should have ladder safety training, right? So a worker employed by a greenhouse, this is just a little story here. It doesn't end well. Uh, in the Burlington area was required as part of his job to climb a ladder to the water, to water the top of the eight foot tall bales of potting soil. The worker was on the ladder and went to switch the watering wand from one bale to the other when he missed a misstep and then fell. The worker suffered head injuries and died in the hospital several weeks later. The greenhouse pleaded guilty to failing to provide the training, instruction, and supervision to the worker and was fined 100 grand. So a life is worth 100 grand for ladder safety. It's Apparently. stupid, but uh, if you have workers who use ladders and we're in construction, how many times have you used ladders? We always use ladders, right? You should be doing ladder safety training with them when they are hired and, again, on a yearly basis. Uh, your training should include the following. Transportation. 
how to mount that ladder on a vehicle plus proper carrying techniques, storage, including proper tie-offs, inspections, what defects to look for. This should be done each day you use the ladder and written records should be kept of that. Uh, setup, how to properly set up both step and extension ladders. And the last one is safe usage, including maintaining three-point contact. We all know about the three-point contact. Uh, how to deal with carrying equipment up the ladder and what not to do. So, I mean, I know that we, you know, quickly grab a ladder, but uh, there's a ladder I got to actually tuck, uh, chuck because it's a six-foot ladder and uh, it, there's a crack in it. There's no sense in trying okay. to figure out when that crack's going to go. You just get rid of it. It's Absolutely. done. It's a garbage piece. And don't, please, everybody, don't put it to the curb because someone will oh, come along the and they will just take it. take it. And Even then they'll just be like, oh, I'm just going to use it once in a while in the backyard. And then all of a sudden, they'll it, the then, crack will go. And then all of a sudden, like, no, you don't want that, right? So, like, destroy the ladder, bring it to the landfill, bring it to Absolutely. your recycle area, and just, just, like, throw it out. Garbage. Yeah. Done. That's what I'll do. I'll just take you the next to. dump run. Yeah. Right in the dump. A lot of guys just take advantage of the ladders. Like, you'll buy a 32-footer or whatever or something, and then you'll beat it up and put it on top of the truck, in the truck, throw it on the ground, all kinds of stuff. You're damaging the ladder. Exactly. So you just got to be aware of that. So that's why I want to just share that, man. For sure. Very important. Uh, we're getting close to the end here, and I'm just trying to figure out what else you want to touch upon, man. Where's the future of ResCom? Well, I would definitely like to grow uh, grow ResCom to a larger outfit. I would like to focus on some larger scale jobs, get into, um, you know, possibly some additions, some builds I'd like to get into, and also focus on the commercial end of it too. Get into the commercial side? Yeah. Well, I already do some commercial work. That's what ResCom is. It's res residential and commercial. commercial. Yeah. So cool. I do both. Yeah. So I currently do some work for uh, Tim Hortons, Wendy's, and Esso, but that's only because they're all together. So it's basically just Tim Hortons. Yeah. So I've been doing that for a number of years, though. When I had uh, Hillcor, I also had some Tim Hortons as well, and I've been able to carry them them through. So it's been pretty good. But Keeping then, you busy. Of course. Between that and the residential, always busy. Is there gears? Like... Matthew, when you're shifting from custom resi and commercial, you got to really shift gears on, on how you build, or is it the same mindset? It's always the same mindset. Okay. Right? The game plan's always the same. The core values are always the same. How I run the business is always the same. Okay. The application is different. The setting is different. The rules are different. That sort of thing, right? Wait, are they really hurry up, like just hustle, get it done? It depends on what it is. Okay. Of course, there's, you know, when, when there's a deadline, there's the deadline. They can't really, you know, hassle you too much during that period. But if you miss that deadline or you're coming close to that deadline and they can see that you might not be ready for that deadline, then, then the, the heat comes. I got a question but for luckily you. Luckily, I'm pretty good. My, I'm usually very efficient, always on time, knock on wood. And my deficiency rate is very good, next to none. Tiling and commercial application, are you using clips? Depending on what it is. If you're doing, you know, a couple hundred thousand square feet. You're not using clips? No. And a lot of the old school guys don't and won't. They won't it, touch it. No. You don't need to. It just depends on what it is. To be honest with you, I don't always need them either. It becomes kind of a lazy thing sometimes as but well. But how good is the concrete at that moment? Like that substrate? Is it good? Oh, yeah. It's always good. Yeah. yeah. Well, unless it's had like a VC on it, VCT, yeah, carpet yeah. tiles. Yeah. Where but they glue. normally bring somebody in to just rip all that stuff out and exactly. then you're left with the bare concrete. And no? then, then they'll etch it. Yeah. Right? They etch the concrete. So then it can be laid on top of. Yeah. But I don't know if you've heard, I've heard tons of times, and it happens a lot with uh, the small rentals that the restaurants go through, whether it's Tim Hortons, McDonald's, okay. tile over tile, stuff like that. Well, that you I got, don't you, agree you got with. plenty of companies that are creating products that. Will do that. They say they can do that. Yes, 
I don't agree with it. I don't agree. It's with no different either. than a roofer putting the problem layer is, and layer of shingles on top. Exactly. Of you can have a fantastic product that's going to stick to that existing substrate, but what's under that substrate? But they're right? saying just apply this primer over that old tile, and then you can start tiling. But what if what's under that tile? What if that thin set wasn't been done there properly? For 15, 20 exactly. years, exactly. Yeah, and it's been water penetrated, grease penetrated. Yeah. it's had thousands of miles of traffic on it. What condition do you really think that's in? So that's something I don't agree Cause with. Because then you're that on the hook all the when time. You do the job and you're on the hook now, and then something starts. It's to a small warranty period with those. Oh, really? Huh? I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it's not. It's not like the full ten years that it's under warranty. Wow! Well, and they're just doing it just to save the cost of demo to exactly get rid of what other it stuff. Is. But then what happens it's when you got to do it that the time? The restaurant can't be down too long. Yeah, exactly. Right? Time, when it's down, it's money because you can't have client, you can't have customers in. Yeah, this is taking place. It plays a big part in it, and just the overall budget. There's a certain because w with certain uh, restaurants, the deals are with the the corporation that you know the the restaurantee has to put in a little bit of money or the restaurateur, and then the head office will put in some money to match to renovate. Exactly, it's not like a mom and pop who's gonna either build their restaurant or renovate their restaurant. And they have a certain budget and want certain things done. You got to do like a whole reset, a whole flip, and this is the budget and this is the time that you have to do it in. Do you as a contractor have to be on a preferred list for those places? That yes. Okay, so you have to already get to that stage. Yes. All right. For, for doing the bigger the bigger um, renovations, for sure. Yeah, I was fascinated years ago when I learned that... Uh, Same with like McDonald's. Yeah, stuff. specific builders fly around the world to build certain higher-end mm -hmm. establishments, yep. retail establishments, man. And they'll only bring in those certain trades that to do the work, the contractors, yeah. the businesses, and same and, um, with the materials as well. Yeah, there's a kitchen company I deal with in Oshawa. Yeah, they have a satellite office, warehouse, whatever it is, in the Caribbean. They do all the hotels and everything out there. Interesting. Yeah, all the cabinetry, all the finished carpentry that has to be done in there, all the millwork they do it. Well, it's kind of fascinating. Now it, it might have something to do with money, maybe right tax and taxes and. Crap like that, right? All Maybe these it's your buddy who you know, yeah. Somebody one hand washes the other hand. Uh, it could have something to do with that, but it makes more sense instead of trying to tender it out to a bunch of people, right? So especially if if whoever you're using is good, reliable. Yeah, you don't want to try somebody new, right? It's like you have a long term client or a long time client. They always call you back, right? They it's like the your work. Thing. You build same a thing. relationship. You have yeah. a rapport, and then they share word of mouth. Exactly. That's you all. You don't want to try somebody new. So you see yourself building both sides equally, or are you going to well, try no. to shift gears more into resi? And, and I'm going to have to see how things really play out, right? Because as you know, you, you can't be you can't get too big too fast. Yeah, you, know, you can't be bigger than than you are. You can't think you are. So it really depends. I'm going to have to play it by ear. Um, I was originally planning to go right commercial, straight into commercial, full commercial, and less residential. What changed? Clients. Clients, eh? And, you know, with COVID and with, you know, the interest rates going up and just the, the risk of possible recession and stuff like that, yeah. nobody's spending money. Residential homeowners are spending money, lots of money. Everybody but, wants to do renovations. But commercial, nobody? Restaurants and commercial, no. Slowed right down. Wait a minute. So why is it that every Longos, everybody who's not from this area, uh, Toronto, Canada, whatever, grocery stores, mm -hmm. full gut renovations happened? And every single one that I know of, right? Mm -hmm. I was watching this all unfold during the COVID. After same the with Loblaws. Yeah, they were all doing full-scale renovations, right? So we know the price of groceries was just going through the roof, right? So, I mean, like, 
How are you guys finding every all so this many money years? Now? It's like Tim Hortons. Every ten years, they have to do a renovation. It's the same thing with the the stores, whether it's Loblaws or Longos. It's the same thing with Toronto TTC, man, changing all the tracks on the streets on every single street, which is a waste of money, but that's a whole other political argument. Oh, we could talk for (laughs) hours about that. It's like when the city in your neighborhood, all of a sudden there's a company that comes and breaks up all your curbs and pours you new curbs. There was nothing wrong with the curbs. Beautiful curbs because you can go three streets over and the ones that are actually missing and falling apart, they could be done, but I guess that'll be next year. Just to get rid of the budget, right? You got to spend that budget. So nobody right now is spending money on commercial stuff right now. Nope, not unless you have to do that renovation. You can push it off a little bit from what so I. So you're only doing it because it's already gotten to that point where it, like this needs to be renovated now. Pretty much, yeah. But nobody is just pulling the trigger. Voluntarily, to get- nobody that I know in the commercial or restaurant end of it is, is just voluntarily. You're not the only. Con- There's a lot of guys that I'm hearing that have shifted gears and doing more work in commercial applications, right? Mm-hmm. But the pay, the pay, p- kind of 90 day, or is it even greater still these days? For I don't know. Usually, yes. Tim Hortons is really good. 30 days. They're 30 days because the wow. the store has to present its financials every 30 days as well, or whatever the case is. I'm not 100 percent on that, so don't quote me on it. But they have to present something. Every 30 yeah, days. Yeah, I thought most commercials like 90-day minimum. So I would get paid in 30 days through Tim Hortons. That's not that Anything bad. else? Yeah, like 90 days. Some, some are 120. That's yeah, too long. I'm if, sorry. If, if there was somebody who wanted me to do work for them and that was going to be what it was, if they were said, well, listen, you know, you'll, you'll get paid in 120 days, I probably would not do the work. So how does that work for a company that's doing the work and you've got your employees you're, you're fronting everything. You got to front. You yeah. got to carry it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you need to have some overhead, you know, some because there's no up. way that and the then you got to sit on that, so you you can you need to be able to afford to miss and lose that money. Plus, if you get the full days. payment, you know what I mean. What if there's deficiencies and now they just drag that out? So you're not paid exactly. full in one twenty. You have to go back and take care of things, and then there's the outstanding balance, right? Exactly. So, so uh, see, that's why commercials just there's pros and cons, right? Yeah, because there's a lot of work, but right now there's not a lot of work, and there is more money in commercial to be made. But like you're saying, there's a lot more to lose, and the time frames are a little bit extravagant at times. It's kind of funny eh? when it comes to residential. It's just there's more risk to lose and not more money. Mm-hmm. So it's almost the flip side. It is. It's weird. So then, why so do more people want to always do more resi than commercial, or is that just my? Right now, it's just all focused on residential. Yeah, homeowners are just everybody wants because what it is is from what I'm I'm understanding and and you went through it everybody went through it during the pandemic you're stuck at home yeah. if you didn't have amenities to use you didn't have a finished basement you didn't have a backyard you that back was crazy done. man you, you didn't just, have a pool yeah you didn't have anything to do you're just stuck there you know you're getting divorced instead and that's what was <laughs> happening yeah so all the, everybody now they want the the oasis in the backyard they want the finished basement. And then some of the people are now just, you know, it's time they want new kitchens, new bathrooms. It seems like the the area that I'm in, because I'm in Durham region, out Ajax, Pickering, Whitby, Oshawa. There's a lot of houses that are turning that that 20-year mark, 25-year mark. It's time to it's time do this. It's time. Yeah. So everybody, every contractor that I know that's decent is I know, super but busy. the danger is it's time ones. to do it now, just as inflation is creeping up. Bank of Canada is going to do another increase. No. I don't care what anybody and says. We're October. Is just recession is just teetering next year. You know, so there, I'm worried about that. I'm there's sure a you're big threat right now with stocks because I'm I'm getting some information from certain people and they're talking about a, a huge crash happening the first week of October. 
a huge crash is going to happen that's also going to affect crypto. crypto there's a threat like I'm, I'm just sorry but there's a threat that there's they're talking about bitcoin dropping as low as five thousand, right I think I don't have any. No, it's dramatic, right? And so if this is all happening in October, I mean, it's, it's pump and dumping is what's going on. You're getting certain elites that are actually kind of pushing this mm -hmm. to make it happen. Of so course. everybody that has been very wealthy during these years can go in and just gobble it all up exactly. and then get back in strong. Well, from what they've said during the pandemic, a lot more people got rich. A huge amount of people. The amount of new billionaires and new millionaires and everything it's like crazy. that right but and the construction industry was busy but i don't think people were taking advantage of the situation the same way that these people were taking advantage of the situation i've never been busier yeah like i was crazy like i was so profit wise you're doing well you're doing good like yeah. it's there it's in line right it's not yeah. just that you're swinging a hammer and you're busy all the time but the numbers are good they're they're going up no different than leo's dating pool exactly. you know what i'm saying like yep. it's staying steady right yep, absolutely yeah Good, man. Not Good for all. you. I try to be reasonable too, right? I'm not the most expensive guy out there, but I make sure my, you know, my time is worth it. Is it competitive by you? Are you? Is there a lot of... It seems like it is. Okay. That one particular client that I was telling you about that I've been speaking with since uh, May. Um, so it's been well over, what is it, six months or so, five months anyways. It's really? been a long time talking wow. with them. A little bit indecisive. I mean, when, when they want you to quote... Like uh, the Keystone contractor was saying, you know, they want to get it, get yesterday. it, get it, get it. And then you get it and yeah. then they shop. And I, and I tell people, listen, like I'm super busy. I'm behind on a handful of other quotes. Like I'm being totally honest and upfront with them. Like I need a couple of weeks. But as soon as two weeks go by, I get a message. I get a phone call. And it's like, all right, all right. Then you sit down. And, and you I do sit it. down and I do it. And then how long does it take them to get back to you? Weeks. So it's kind of a double edge, man. Yeah. Right, it's not really. It's fair. kind of unfair. Yeah. So and then. Comes. But are you vetting them and asking them? Listen, am I the front runner? Am I the one that you want to work with, or am I just another number? I don't ask them that. I usually get a feeling, anyways. Okay. And these are all referrals, like I said. All all my business is referrals from friend to friend, or just however it is, just a referral. Even some of my my uh, my sub trades, like my electrician, had referred me to one of his clients who wanted a full basement job done. Fantastic, right? So I already I go in there knowing that they're interested, that I would be a front runner being referred. Yeah. And as long as I don't, you know, shit the bed and, you know, I present a good case, because I'm always upfront, I'm honest. People can see that, they read that. Other than that, it is what it is. You either like my quote, you don't like my quote. You ever ask clients why you didn't get the job? They usually tell me. They tell you the reason why you didn't get yeah. the job. There's only been a few, a uh, handful of um, that I've lost. One of them being um, the client that I was just speaking about that was a long-term thing since May. And they had asked me to itemize the quote line by line. Yeah. Yeah. I politely refused. And that's the last time we spoke. And that was a few weeks ago. I remember I'd reach out to you yeah, yeah, you're asking me about for it. Yeah. your advice on yeah. how you would handle it and what you would do. And yeah, that's just you know the nature of the beast. I've had other people that have said, listen, you were $5,000 more than, than this other guy. And okay, hey, it's a numbers game, like you're saying. Listen, I'm only comfortable doing the job for this price. If you're only comfortable spending this price, good luck. I hope you get everything you ask for. And that's all it is, right? And I, I, I like reply in an email and I'll say, listen, 
you know, thanks for, for letting me know. Because I don't want to just be ghosted. Of course. There has been a time or two where you're but just that's the ghosted. majority of the industry. That's the majority right? of clients. So I appreciate when I get a response. You can tell me that I'm out to lunch. You can tell me that I'm too expensive. Whatever it is. But getting back to me, I appreciate that. It's just common courtesy. Yeah. Man, and and I show that to the clients as well. Yeah. Regardless of who it is. At all times, I'll respond even to a new person, to anybody. I'll at least respond. I could be super busy, but within that work day, I'll at least respond. Even if it's only, I'm busy, I'll get back to you. But at least I respond. So are I you, appreciate that when I get it. Are you not, when you're communicating at first, you're communicating through text messaging or emails, right? Yes. So two of the easiest, easiest ways to communicate with somebody in this world. Yeah. So why are they making it so difficult not to respond back and just let you know, here are the reasons why we're not going to go with you and we're going to go sure with some people else. just think of you as nobody, really. Who am I? Just another number. Right? Yeah. Even if I have been referred to them, who are you? Yeah. Because some people aren't referring, you know, from a friend to a friend. It could be a neighbor to a neighbor. So you're not really friends. You're more of an acquaintance. So who am I? Who cares? That sort of thing, right? Yeah, but I mean, the biggest fear, I guess, for clients. Can't be bothered. Their time's more valuable. Uh, well, they, th that can't be the case. If you smell that, then, you know, like, that, then they're not the right client. If they client. just ghost you, yeah. then that's all you can assume, yeah. right? It's just ignorant. You're going to cross paths somehow, and you're going to ask them, like, why didn't you hire me or whatever, right? It doesn't make any sense at that point. True. I don't know. I think clients should actually spend, like, if, if you've taken the effort to go there, meet them, discuss it, talk about options, and tell them who you are and what you mm -hmm. do and why you're this way and all this other stuff, then have at least a common courtesy to come back on. Listen, exactly. we would like to have gone with you, but we found somebody else. Sure, they were a few thousand dollars less, but that was the deciding factor. We're going to pinch. And, and most of the people yeah. I deal with are like that. It's I've always got, about got final numbers, good, right? Yeah, I've got a pretty good group of potential clients that I come into contact with that are pretty respectful. Yeah. But like I said, there's a few that are bad apples and a few that just don't care. And yes, it, it usually does come down to numbers. Once in a blue moon, it'll come down to scheduling. The particular They want it sooner than you are available. That, or some people are super particular with when renovations get done. That client that was referred to me from my electrician wants a full basement done. Yeah. Doesn't want it done in the winter. Okay. Right? Fair enough. Doesn't want guys walking in in the cold sure. with the snow blowing sure. in. You're getting, you know, muddy, wet boots all over the place. Even yeah. though we put down protection, floor protection, that sure. sort of thing, right? I always yeah. cover up everything. People just don't want the hassle. And I, I can appreciate that. So that's just the case. That's the nature of the beast that we have to deal with. All right, man. I think we're ready to wrap up here, man. Any other final words you want to share? time i think we're doing pretty good no man all the best i mean uh, hopefully a couple of years from now it'd be much bigger and then you're not on the tools as much yeah you know what though uh, going back to what you said about that i don't know if you're particularly like this but i'm like this it's hard to find somebody that you can trust as your lead your foreman whatever it oh, is 100%. it's hard for you to take that step back and hand over your baby right i don't right now i can't do that I don't know if there's going to be a but how many more years before you actually have to do exactly that? where I'm forced to. That's probably what it's going to happen is I'm going to be forced. But do you want to be forced to do that or do you want to be prepared to do that? Of course, I would like to be prepared. Yeah, so that's where you should be working at is getting yourself prepared for it. Oh, instead do you have of any guys, 
Oh, I don't have any guys. Neither. Listen, man. <laughs> so many people reach out to me, always asking. I'm, I'm looking for semi-skilled, man. Do you know anybody? Like, I almost like I'm a a work resource or something like that, labor resource or something. I don't. I just don't. I, I'll re- nowadays I'm recommending work. I get a lot of clients who reach out back to me, former clients, and they're asking me if I'll do it. And I was like, I can't do it. I, I don't have two do it. potential people that I could put in that position, but one of them has another job, <laughs> so that doesn't really work. Yeah. And the other one moved to Alberta. <laughs> so, so, you're in, so then how do you expand your network at that point to do that you got to go back to the apples right. that we talked at the very beginning right so but how many it's, more it's, bad it's apples? networking and reaching yeah, out to, yeah you know my electrician right now like you had mentioned the unions most of his guys ran to the union the union's offering ridiculous amounts of money that a private sector guy <clears throat> a jobber could not they wouldn't be able to compete not even close not even close so he's lost uh, a bunch of guys to that. And now he has trouble finding. He's looking for a fourth-year apprentice, Yeah, uh, maybe a fifth, preferably a fifth. Can't find anybody. There's nobody there. Because if you're a fourth or a fifth, you're already established somewhere, man. Like, And then I guess the junior guys are not good enough, I guess. That's what it's looking like now. There's been a few guys that I've seen come and go, some junior guys, and they don't last too long. Whether they find out it's just not in the cards, they don't like it, didn't work out for them, they thought it was going to be this, it's that, whatever the case is, you know, the grass looks greener on the other side, but it doesn't turn out to be. I find it interesting, like I just, as I get older, I'm fascinated by data, right? So I just find it interesting that the tradespeople that we're looking for Mm -hmm. is my number one audience that listens to this show. Absolutely. But they're very quiet, there's only a small percentage that reaches out to me and picks my brain, asks me this question, asks me that question about this show or that show or that person or whatever, right? And, I, and I'm always encouraging anybody to do that and reach out to me and talk to me. I really wish that they more of them would because then I can get more insight into that. That's that core that we're all looking for. Those are the, yeah, the, the answers to the questions. Yeah, and I'm have. just, it's almost like, are they intimidated? Are they a little nervous? Are they thinking that me or you or anybody that's older than them or has been in the business is going to go, listen, you're a moron, don't get anywhere near me? Because that's never happened to me. I've never done that to anybody. I'd never speak to anybody like that. Of course not. The whole point is that you're supposed to learn about this. There's no way that you know everything, and I don't know everything, and every other tradesperson I ever met in this business, they don't know everything. There's specialty people that know a lot about one specific detail and they're yeah. amazing at it they're the super men and women about that detail but they still don't know everything so i'm really sure. encouraging all this younger generation that listens to this show because they want to educate themselves and they want to figure out what to do right the next move mm-hmm. but i really need them to reach out more and either reach out to you guys or myself or other people that have been on the show absolutely and just talk to them and anybody go can reach out to me spitball. dm me yeah email me phone me because you never know. There might be an opportunity there, man. Yeah, and you absolutely. might as well take advantage of it, right? Listen, I don't mind sharing the knowledge. I'm one of those guys who I would like everybody to eat at the table. Yeah. It's our table. Yeah. It's not my table. It's you not guys competition. Over there. It's community. That's man. all. Yeah. I love networking. I love sharing the wealth. I'm not the selfish guy. I think I got to start doing some sort of networking things here and trying to get this younger generation. It'd be great to get like a bunch of 20 to 25 year old trade you get some of the colleges playing your podcast yeah and just something. come here and just go listen guys that's it everybody's got their hands up we're asking questions we're answering questions we have to Talk do about this the industry find out yeah. from them yeah what well you know what the missteps are what's yeah. going on is it money is it the hard work what is it 
All right, Matthew. It's good to see you, bro. You too. It was really thank you so much for making the trek here, man. Yeah, no problem. Everybody check him out, man. Rescom and it's rescom contracting eighty two at gmail.com and on Instagram is rescom underscore G C. And like he said, reach out to him, man. Pick his brain. Uh, see if he has some work in the Durham. You're in the East End there. So I am. Yeah, you never go anywhere near the, the West End. Where's your cutoff? I knew uh, a guy who's made a DVP the cutoff. I don't have a cutoff necessarily. It's going to come down to um, the scope of the job. Yep. I mean, I'm not going to drive to Mississauga for a bathroom job. No, 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 no. Well, you, you give me a full house reno and you're willing to, you know, cover my 407 kind of thing. I'm all for it. And it's worth it, of it's course. It's worth it. Yeah. If it's worth it for me, it's going to be worth it for the client. It's worth it for the client. It's going to be worth it for me. So we can work together. But some people don't want to do that. Because like um, Jason was saying, that travel expense, the per diems that you have to charge. Adds. It adds up. People don't want to eat that. Yeah. They want us to eat that. We can't. Not no. with fuel, not with expenses, exactly. not with anything. Not yeah. driving half across the city. When's the last time you drove across the 401? At any given time. <laughs> I do it all I'll put it to you this way. If 407 didn't lot. exist yeah, and I, I had to come here on the 407, A, I would have had to leave at probably 2 in the afternoon or I just might not have been able to come. Yeah. Matthew, we got one last segment, man. 12 questions of construction there. Ready for this? I am. Uh, what is your favorite construction word? Fuck. <laughs> what is your least favorite construction word? Injury. Mm. What turns you on in construction? The finished product. What turns you off in construction? Problems. What is your favorite curse word or phrase? Fuck me. <laughs> what is your favorite vehicle? Anything in the world? I guess I'll say a Lambo. A Lambo? Any Lambo? Any Aventadors are nice. Uh, and what, sorry? Everybody likes those. What is your least favorite vehicle in the world? That Nissan Leaf you guys are talking about. <laughs> I hate what construction sound or noise do you love? I like to hear the nail guns and hammers. The framing parts. Yeah, it's actually Absolutely. a symphony. Eh? I always thought of it as a symphony. Yeah. What is your uh, What construction sound or noise do you hate? The, um, what do you call those... The reciprocating vibrating tools. The oscillating tool. Yes. Yeah, no, there's a meme going around right now from Jim Carrey and uh, Dumb and Dumber. And want to hear the most annoying sound? And they cut to a DeWalt oscillating yeah. tool going, I love it. Oh, those I are the worst. I shared it with so many people. I loved it. What profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt one day? Only fans. <laughs> <laughs> what profession would you not like to do? Uh, only fans. <laughs> uh, not like to do. Uh, accounting. Account. Yeah, I know. I can't stand it. Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? We've been expecting you. Nice. Matthew, thank you so much, man, for no joining problem. us and being on the show finally. Everybody check him out, Rescom, uh, rescomcontracting82 at gmail.com and on Instagram, rescom underscore GC. Thank you. We are out of here, man. Thank you so much, man. All right, take care, guys. We'll talk thank soon. Thank you. Take care.